Sir Balpern, the T1 of Brass, from Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is Eno Saris. Eno Saris, the editor of Rotographs, of course. I am also a, uh, more than a frequent contributor uh, to Fangraphs, the, uh, the main page. Um, Eno has recently written a piece concerning arbitration. And, of course, uh, arbitration, especially around this time of year, is a word that one hears a lot within the context of baseball. And even casual fans have a sense of what arbitration is. The player offers a number, a team offers a number, and you go to an arbitrator. But what actually happens is a question that, uh, so far as I know, has not been answered very thoroughly. But if there's a man to do it, it's Eno Saris. Using as an entry point Jason Hayward's arbitration case, in which the player and the team, uh, the Atlanta Braves, are separated only by $300,000. Using that as an entry point, Eno wrote a piece recently for the site in which he considered arbitration from the player's side, from the team's side, and curiously from the arbitrator's side, and maybe behind the arbitrator from Major League Baseball's side. It would be fair to say that uh, Eno's uh, cup, figurative cup, uh, his cup runneth over or ran us over with information because uh, there were a number of things that he was not able uh, that didn't make sense to include in that in the actual piece about uh, Jason Hayward, uh, but he's agreed to share them in this edition of Fangraphs Audio. We had a conversation about it. That's what we did. Just two men talking about arbitration. What could be what could be more pleasant, America? It's uh, it's Fangraphs Audio. It features uh, Fangraphs' own Eno Saris discussing the ins and outs of arbitration. And it begins right now. Now, wait a second. So why do you live in the U.S. as opposed to Europe? Uh, I think the better question is why have I lived in America since, uh, you know, pretty much exclusively since 1986 and, uh, not become a citizen yet. You're not a citizen of the United States? Yeah. I'm not allowed to be a dual citizen by the Germans. Oh. Wait a second. You're not allowed by the Germans, but... America is fine with it. America's fine with it. But can you, so can you get U.S. citizenship and, and Germany just doesn't recognize it? Uh, most likely they'll find out and then I lose German citizenship, which is basically why I haven't done it yet. So you're a, you're a, you're a landed alien or something. Yeah, green card holder, legal alien. Really? Mm-hmm. That's why I always thought of you as an alien. <laughs> I, I look it. Yeah, you do. Um. All right, what are we? So, listen, you're excited about a thing. You're excited about well, a thing. Well, I, I, I just, uh, I talked to a lot of people for a piece that I ran last last week, and I think that it's uh, an interesting piece that. And there are some things that I I probably couldn't write that I can talk about. Yeah, um, right. No, no. And I, I get that it's that sort of piece. I mean, it's sort of – it's one of these things that happens on the baseball calendar that maybe because of when it happens or because of the fact that uh, – well, I'm talking about arbitration, of course. But because, you know, most teams settle before you get there, you know, there, there could be a number of reasons why it doesn't necessarily occur to – um, casual fan, uh, to you know, to meditate on it, and yet it's a thing that exists in baseball, and certainly players and organizations are thinking about it. It's a it's a really big deal, I think, in front offices, um, where there are you know any number of guys that spend most of the off season preparing 
uh, arbitration cases. Um, and so it's a really big deal uh, for certain circles. Agents uh, spend, a, a, you know, just as much time on the other side of the, of the table. So, um, wait, so your 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 piece started with the the case of uh, Jason Hayward. Um, yeah, who's just well, I guess I mean, he's one just. One reason I think that it's not so sexy is first of all it's numbers, and then second of all it it comes down in January, so it's like not when people are really thinking about baseball. But yeah, so I, I what's interesting about this year's uh, case was that Jason Hayward is going um, is going to go actually into court uh, with the because that's what happens in arbitration. For the most part, you just are discussing comps and numbers with the agents. The agents and the teams are, are, are trading numbers, and then at some point they find a midpoint and they settle. And um, that happens in with uh, about 95% of the cases. You know, um, on a given year, they just they just settle, and you you don't really hear about it except for oh, you know, they agreed to arbitration. But some uh, some teams like the Braves are what they call file to trial, which means you know, once you get to the filing deadline, which is in late January, um, they are not going to talk to you anymore after that. So there are other teams where you can file two numbers and then you can see where the midpoint is. And then most of the time, the team and the agent just settle uh, before before going to court because nobody really wants to go to court because it's mostly it's a, it's an arbitrator. It's a it's a really like a non subject matter expert who's sitting um, and presiding over this decision, whether it's your number or the, you know, is it, whether it's a player's number or or the um, the team's number. So, um, yeah. So for the most part, you know, there's like 180 arbitration cases a year, um, and or potential arbitration potential arbitration cases, right? Or, or yeah, arbitration eligible players. And um, last year, none of those um, went to to trial. Uh, you know, went into court in front of an arbitrator, and and even over the last uh, five years, the number is 17. So it's it's a pretty low number. Yeah, and it, well, you bring up the fact that it's a hassle, you know, for the teams, and you have, um, and I mean, or it's a bit of a bit of a crapshoot because, as you mentioned, the the arbitrator is not um, is not necessarily aware of the the relationship between um, value. Between valuable value in a baseball sense and 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 how that ought to be compensated um, financially, but the other thing is that I know that it's it's I mean it's an awkward situation, right? Because it's at that point it falls to the club to um, make arguments to the effect that the player is not that valuable, and frequently the player is present for those arguments, and so this is a this is a curious situation that arises. Yeah, that was one thing that I coun't really find a way to get into the piece. Um, I mean, it was already, you know, 2,000 words, so I didn't really want to bog it down too much. But I did talk to a couple agents um, that said, yeah, uh, my player's going to be in there. You know, my player's coming to that room because, you know, he if if this is an argument about millions of dollars that he's making, he, he's got to be there. Uh, and I think that probably – ancillary benefit is uh, for the agent hey look i'm fighting for you look at me fight for you you know i'm your agent um so uh but he also you know from what i heard on both sides of the table they downplayed how negative it is for the player because and i can imagine it um you know that there's a preamble and you know that the preamble is going to start from the team side they're going to start with 
first of all, we love Jason Hayward. We're extremely excited to slot him in and the, you know, as the leadoff hitter next year for the Braves. And, you know, this is just an argument about, you know, small things or whatever. And then they'll go into, to, you know, who he comps best to, you know, we think, we just think that his best player comps are this class of player and they think, his player comps should be this class of player. And I think in Hayward's case, it probably has a lot to do with defense. Should he be counted as a center fielder? Um, because he did play a little bit of center field and he does add value with the glove. Um, so I think that's probably why they came to such a, uh, an argument. Even, even though it's a small number, you know, they, they, they're definitely disagreeing about something there. Now, you, you mentioned the, the idea of comps, um, and, and just the general idea of, you know, making making cases on one side or the other for uh, the player's value or against the player's value. Do you have a sense of of um, what's what numbers are used and are not used? I know that in your in your piece with regard to Hayward, you you invoked a case with regard to Rich Gedman about the uh, his. This is, a, you know, this is sort of like a historical example about how uh, Gedman's uh, batting average. I, you know, among uh, I think that uh, you know his agent, etc., tried to make the case that he had one of the best batting averages uh, in the majors, whereas the team said, uh, "No, that's that's patently ridiculous. Look, he's he has like the hundredth best batting average." And they submitted a list of uh, players who'd had the uh, you know uh, nine nine plate appearances, for example. <laughs> Which, of course, if you do that, uh, no one no one is going to have a good batting average because, uh, or at least any player who's you know. A, a starter because if someone's gone uh, one for two during the season, then then it's impossible for regular players. Yeah, um, I think that there's uh, there's been uh, sort of a leap up since uh, since those days. I mean, the Gedman case was in 1985, um, and you know I talked to an arbitrator who um, who has worked since then, um, and. He, uh, he said he didn't know anything about baseball, uh, going in. He said other than, you know, what was on the back of a baseball card. Uh, yeah, but what and, baseball card are we talking about? Like, are we talking about Tops 85? I think there were a couple score or Fleer cards in the early 90s that showed on base percentage. Come on, you know. I think, we're, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not, you know, I don't want to <laughs> get the guy in trouble or anything, so. No, no, I'm not, I'm not suggesting uh, yeah, that. Yeah. But I think in general, I think back at baseball card stats, you, you think of as, uh, as, you know, home runs, RBI, batting average. Right. right um, of course. And, you know, there was, we had a real back and forth about this, uh, because I thought, I thought, well, you know, did you get better at it? You know, the more that you knew about baseball, did you talk to your, your peers about, uh, about how to best value uh, players? Um, did you read up on it? And he, he said that, um, you know, baseball didn't, uh, baseball didn't want, uh, a stats guru in the position. That, oh. uh, Gene Orza and the, the front, the, uh, you know, MLB, um, the, the MLB, uh, person that he was talking to did, they didn't want a stats guru. So, um, this one I really struggle with because if you don't want a stats guru in there, I, I can only think of a couple different reasons. I'm really interested. In, in your opinion on this, if you don't want a stats guru making decisions about players, I think it says it's either one just a you're just against stats. It's sort of like an, you're just you think that it's too nerdy or old school or something or new school or whatever. That's one. Um, 
Another one is that you think that uh, perhaps stats, uh, being really into stats would make you more of a front office guy, like more of a management type person versus labor. Or the third is that you think that old school stats, you want people to be paid best for old school stats because you either think that that's the right way to go or you think that that makes the most sense from like a fan perspective. Oh, this guy hit a bunch of homers. He gets paid well. Yeah, that's a, that's a curious thought. I mean, all of them are, are uh, I think, reasonable suggestions. I would also submit maybe a fourth, which is that um, if you have uh, an arbitrator who is not particularly invested in baseball research uh, per se, then maybe the idea is that he's going or she is going to listen to the arguments of the teams and um, I mean, because essentially, you know, in any case where you're submitting, for example, that, you know, on the one hand, if you look at just uh, Jason Hayward's, you know, batting average and home runs and RBIs, if that's what you choose or, you know, that's that's one option. Um, but if you can make the case, uh, for example, if you're if you're Jason Hayward's agent, if you if you make the, the case that uh, value is produced in in more ways than than those. Because simply understanding batting average or home runs and RBIs, I think, uh, suggests implicitly um, a familiarity with baseball, right? Right. So if you say if, if you're looking for someone who's naive about the sport in general, then um, perhaps this person is able to make a, a more objective comment. This may be this. The suggestion I'm making is uh, giving. Oh, you know, the- I actually I hear what you're saying there. They'd be more likely to sort of come to it without predispositions about decisions they've made about what research is good and bad and, and, you know, what they would listen to and so on. So that's, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what they're trying to do in the end is get a fair, a fair number out of it. And they want someone to sort of look at this objectively. So who knows, of course, if that's the, if that's the case. I mean, you know, most, most Americans, uh, are probably familiar with at least the, you know some of the most basic elements of the sport too so it's it's hard to imagine that they wouldn't be otherwise well you know and i think uh when you look at how arbitration normally goes in other in other sectors um you know baseball is a really plumb uh spot to be as an arbitrator everybody wants to be in it um you know it's everybody wants to be a baseball arbitrator he you know he told the story of you know that's you know he's done Major, major cases in other in other places, but whenever he starts talking about baseball cases, everyone's ears perk up. So, um, you know, it's a plum role, but that also means there's not very many of them. So when you there are these national arbitration um, groups where they come together, they they have their 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 winter meetings or you know their their um, their uh, trade show type thing where they all come together and they meet and they have seminars and all that stuff. Most of the you know if you're a labor arbitrator. And, you know, you're talking about unions and stuff like that. They'll have a seminar on, you know, the latest findings in union research or the latest case law in union uh, when it comes to unions, you know, or unions under attack, you know, whatever. They'll have a they'll have a seminar on it. And then the, the, the people who find that interesting for their for the cases they see, they'll go and, and go to that uh, seminar and maybe have a peer discussion group after or something. There's ways for them to uh, to educate themselves. But since uh, there are so few baseball arbitrators, 
uh, they, they don't, and they're not encouraged to talk to each other, you know, on panels. Obviously that'd be weird. And then, you know, they don't really see each other after that and they don't go to the national things and, you know, talk about baseball law. Uh, so there's not really any sort of self-education on the part of the arbitrators. Um, so you're so, saying that there's, there are like, uh, trade, trade conferences essentially for arbitrators? Yeah. And they could be arbitrators yeah. for, for many different fields. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, I mean, that's why, that's why they call them non-subject matter experts. I mean, these are guys that come in and what they're, what they're expert on is sort of arbitrage and like, just, and, and like, Finding agreement between two um, parties that are that are interested in making an agreement. I mean, that's what they that they're that that's their expertise. It's not necessarily any of the subjects that they're actually they're doing. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting about baseball is you know there's a there's a difference in arbitration across uh, the field where sometimes um, you know the two people are under contract already, and what you're doing as an arbitrator is just trying to find out which parts of the contract are relevant or not to their dispute. You know, it's something like, you know, a labor, like someone is saying, you know, I'm under contract with them, but, you know, I disagree with this one part of the contract. I think it should be read this way. And they say, we think it should be read this way. So that, that's like two interested parties that are talking to each other and you just need to help them out. Uh, and then there's a separate kind of law where the people aren't bound by contract and have different interests and you have to kind of, you have to kind of make a ruling. Um, and baseball is sort of in between the two because, yes, they're under contract, but they haven't agreed on the salary, which is a very uh, specific – it's a very strong thing. It's not, It's not oh, this little one part of the contract. It's like, you know, how much is he going to get paid? So anyway, it's a, it, the, the point is arbitration uh, is, is, a, is a large field, and they pick a couple people out of it and, you, and throw them into, the, into this baseball context. And they don't really help them out much. Um, and when they do get instruction, um, I, I tried to find out what the instruction was for them. And the instruction is, okay, you're going to hear from them for 10 minutes, and then you're going to hear from the player agents for 10 minutes, and then they're going to get 15-minute rebuttal, and then they're going to get 10-minute rebuttal, and then uh, the hour is concluded. <laughs> so, so it's basically just an hour is deciding uh, is is what's deciding these contracts. Yep. Huh. And and the only instruction that is how to spend that hour. Right. I mean, essentially, the, at this point, in, uh, maybe the education levels are different, but there's not a lot of other sorts of difference between uh, the arbitrator here and the the judge, um, uh, the judge at like a uh, like a high school debate conference. Right. I mean, he's he probably hasn't he probably hasn't um, read all the relevant material on Lincoln versus Douglas, you know. Or Maybe do you remember? Had, well, you know, you and I went to remember Simon Rosin, the giant Russian from our high school. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Simon with our freshman year. We we did a we did a debate together. We argued uh, we argued against the Cuban trade embargo. Or maybe we argued for it. I forget. But anyways, we're on the same team. But who knows? When with the people who are judging you, they're not experts on the Cuban trade embargo. It's a, it's a you know it's incumbent upon you to make the points. Right, and that's I think that's I think that's the positive of them not being subject matter experts. But there is still I still think that there's something to gain from education. Um, just because, for example, uh, the, edu- the 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 arbitrators are are given the Bill James Handbook now. 
Um, but nobody I talked to could tell me if they're asked to read it uh, or if uh, they're, you know, if they're supposed to refer to it after an argument. Or if they just get it like it's like a it's like a door prize. Right. Do they just get it in the mail and they're like, huh? (laughs) I bet Bill James publishers love that. That's yeah, that's good. That's good for them. Yeah. Ostensibly, it's supposed to from from what I gather, it's supposed to mean that the numbers in there are fair game uh, in arbitration cases. Um, But you know, I still think um, you know that. It's it's unclear to to a lot of people in the process how how fair game they are and they're you know the, the way that defense uh, finds its way into these arguments is by by comps and by role so you know that's why Hayward's I think interesting because he's a corner outfielder with great defense and if if they had just played him in center field more often he could say hey I played in center field so therefore I have good a good glove you know. Um, that's sort of how these arguments go. So let's say you're a shortstop, like Anderson Simmons is a, is a, is a, is a plus plus defensive shortstop. He will actually get a decent reward because he was the team's starting shortstop. Not necessarily because he has a great glove, but because he was, he's now going to get be compared to all starting shortstops. Right. So that's the point though, right? Is that if, is it's the position, but not necessarily how many runs you save, whether that's a a positive or a negative amount at that position. Yeah, I think there are some weird implications for how you can run a front office. I mean, also finding out through this process that probably saves are a little bit overvalued. Um, you know, there's a there's a quote in my piece from a Reds uh, VP talking about how uh, young closers make more than young starting pitchers. Um, and I think there's a, a couple of implications for how teams can be run better um, or run to take advantage of arbitration and, and the history of arbitration, which is if you have a decent enough center fielder, uh, let's say you have Coco Crisp, you have a veteran center fielder and you have a cost certainty for him and he's, and he's decent at his job, then you put Coco Crisp in center. And if you have a young arbitration eligible guy coming up that might be a better center fielder, like a Brett Gardner or something, then you leave him in left. Um, because he won't be compared to other center fielders. He'll be compared to left fielders with his batting average and, and his, and his uh, offensive production. So, um, uh, and I think another thing would be let's let's say you have a young uh, fireballing uh, you know reliever like a Cody Allen in in, in um, with the Indians, um, and you could make him closer and sign a, a, a setup guy. Or you could sign uh, John Axford for five million dollars, cost certainty right there, and you keep uh, Cody Allen cheap by uh, by leaving him in the in a setup role. So um, I think there are certain things where there are holes, and it does create weird things that happen on the baseball field because of it, because front offices are thinking about this. So that's why I would think that a little bit of education could just tweak some of the holes where, like, maybe they aren't seeing. Um, baseball in the right light and maybe if they could just you know maybe devalue saves a little bit more and value defense a little bit more then our arbitration values would 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 be a little bit better right yeah and i suppose if it was i mean ideally it would reflect how dollars are being spent at the actual major league level right Uh, because that way regardless of whether it's uh, correct in a sort of platonic way then then at least it is Working on the same scale. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I do think that because then you, uh, 
you yeah i think so i mean if you look at nelson cruz nelson cruz uh you know when he filed in 2012 he wanted 7.5 million dollars in 2012 and uh in the 3 years coming up to that he uh he had accrued three less three fewer wins than jason hayward has accrued in the last 3 years so he had nine wins in the last three years coming up to his arbitration award. Hayward has 12. Hayward can't even, can't even file for 7.5 million because he doesn't have, you know, the, the, the precedent or, yeah. that Cruz had. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, would you, would you just, before, before you go, would, um, would you just address this term, uh, file to trial again? You mentioned at the beginning and you mentioned in your piece, uh, that there are a couple of teams that, that practice that and uh could you maybe talk about it a little bit more though in terms of uh, what that means precisely yeah um well normally uh, the team and the and the uh the player's agent are 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 discussing numbers for that uh for that player back and forth um from you know probably November on and um they're just trying to decide on which comps um are best and then once they settle on some comps, there's there's some numbers go back and forth. They find a midpoint, and they settle. Some some uh, sometimes that process takes into late January, and if it does, um, most times uh, so like if there's 180 arbitration cases um, uh, a year, uh, 150 of them are are handled before um, January. So for the large part of them, uh, they just discuss, they discuss, they find a number, boom, settled. That's your salary for this year. Uh, for there's another 30 or 40, um, you know, as, as much as 50 one year, uh, where uh, they actually file numbers. And so what they've done now is they've sort of ensconced in in history what the two sides are, are talking about. So the players file a number. They say we think he should make in in Hayward's case, we think he should make 5.5 million. And the team, they file a number, and in Hayward's case, 5.2 million. Um, so, so normally, it, with your, if you're not filed to trial after that number is done, you still have like another month before the 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 um, these things happen in spring training, the, the trials. So you have another month you can keep talking, and a bunch of these will be settled in between now and then. So between this, there's like 30 or 50 uh, uh, cases that file, and uh, a year, and there's between three. And five trials a year, so most of them get handled, and then at the very end, there there are some that have to go to trial. There are some teams, and maybe increasingly more of these, that are called file to trial, which means as soon as you file, they're going to stop talking to you, and then you're going to go to trial. So the Braves have Freeman, uh, Kimbrell, and Hayward all going to trial because uh, they they decided to. To, to, to file. And so they're not going to talk to them anymore. And the reason that teams do this is because they want to bring up the deadline. They want cost certainty. They want to know what's going on with their budget earlier. And they want to bring agents to the table earlier. And they want, they want more serious conversations quickly, uh, and quicker. Because if you know that you're going to file and then you go to trial with those numbers, you're going to pick a number that you're very sure of that you can defend in court. Um, so, you know, that means that the Braves get to see what, you know, your best numbers earlier and they get to decide things quicker. And they have to go to trial. If they say they're going to file the trial team, they have to go to trial in order to keep that, um, 
keep people thinking that way and to keep agents believing that they are a file to trial team. But, but, but okay. as you, as you mentioned about Atlanta though, um, despite the fact that they are by name or in name a file to trial team, they actually have not gone to trial very much. Yeah. I mean, since 2001, John Rocker was their last case. And I think that's because, you know, most agents know, Hey, okay. This is uh, a file-to-trial team. I need to uh, put him on the front burner. I'll put my other guys a little bit in the back burner, and I needed to go talk to the Braves right now about Jason Hayward because my deadline is January, you know, 21st or whatever it is, and I need to I need to file then. I need to know, you know, I need to have a good number on them. So that's why I think for the most part they've stayed away from it. What they've run into uh, this year is. Um, that uh, the the agents representing uh, both Freddie Freeman and Jason Hayward are Excel Sports Management, and Excel Sports Management um, is a more aggressive um, agency, perhaps than some. They file, you know, about twenty percent, twenty four percent of of all uh, cases file. Excel files half of their cases, so they were they're they're an agency that's ready to file. Um, and they went up against a team that's filed a trial. So that's I think that's explains some of what happened. Now, um, Matt Swartz, who's done some writing for Fangraphs, has created a, I think what's considered to be a, a pretty reliable model for uh, for projecting arbitration salaries. Uh, do you have a sense of? Uh, why teams or teams and clubs don't just look at the number he produces, recognize that this is what players usually get, and then just agree on that, and that's the end of the story? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, I mean, if, if, if they're, you know, if he is, if that link is on all of their, uh, you know, in all of their, their, uh, Firefoxes, um, for sure, but, um, yeah, I think it does go back to the idea, you know, one of the guys said to me, if Keith Law was sitting, you know, on trial, um, you know, then we'd probably go to case more often because we would, we'd have an idea of what Keith Law would, would say. Um, so there is a benefit to having, um, to having a non-subject matter expert at the end. There's a benefit in that nobody wants to go to trial and, um, and so the, that, that uncertainty at the very end of the process you know, gives both the player and the agent a reason to come to the table and and have their interests aligned. Their interests are aligned. They don't want to go to trial for the most part. So the, the fact that this Excel agency seems more willing to go to trial, um, that may sort of that could be the beginnings of of a um, of crisis. You know, if 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 suddenly one side said, you know what, we like what happens in trial, we're going to go to trial. Um, then all of a sudden you'd have a lot more trials and then you'd probably have baseball saying, well, we don't really like this. This is costly. Uh, it takes up a lot of time in spring training and, um, there, you know, maybe it creates unrest between players and management. You know, it, uh, it it should be noted because we're talking a bunch about Atlanta here in particular with regard to Kimbrell, Freeman and Hayward, um, Swartz's uh, model uh, in, in all three cases, it, it would seem to favor the team. Uh, you know, I mean, I've, you know, obviously he's based uh, his work off of, uh, um, you know, imp- he's, he's, you know, he's, it's developed empirically, and it would suggest, 
at least in those three cases, that uh, the the team has the advantage in all three cases, um, or that the midpoint between the player offer and team offer is closer to, or the the the, the team offer is cl- is closer to what what sports would would suggest for that player. Yeah, and um, you know it's uh, it's you know they they might just it might just be these agencies. You know, it might be on these agencies then where they're, they, they think, you know, if we go to trial, who's arguing on behalf of the player? It's us. We're going to be the ones that look good. You know, when, if we're, if we're sitting in that, in that trial room and Jason Hayward is sitting with us and we're saying he's better than you guys think, then we look good because we're fighting for him. We're his agents. And I think the number one thing for an agent is hold on to your client until free agency. And, yeah, uh, because that's a good time to have a clamp. Right. And so I think if there, if I can read between the tea leaves at all, I think they're willing to lose these trial cases as long as they can look like they were fighting for their, their, um, their player. And, um, you know, the, what, what makes this even more complicated, I mean, this thing was just every time I talked to someone, there was, there was I thought, a new article I could write. Um, what makes this even more complicated is that the arbitrators, they're now panels instead of single. And it used to be that you, there was a single arbitrator, and now there's panels. So that means that there's, uh, two or three guys, you know, on, or two or three people on one panel. And then they'll see all of the other cases too. And the, and it's in the arbitrator's best interest to get rehired. And there is this thing called a scorecard effect where they can say, they, they might not do it consciously, but they, they will know that you know, they need to look like they are unbiased. And if, um, if an arbitrator has come down like five times on the, on the side of the teams, he may wonder if the player, uh, if the, if Gene Orza, like the player organization wants to hire him again. So what he may do is then come down randomly, uh, on the side of a, a player. Um, just for the sake of, uh, variation essentially. Yeah, and to make him look like a more unbiased person. And maybe none of it's conscious, but, you know, that it is, you know, people act in their best interest and it's in your best interest as an arbitrator to, to come down on both sides uh, equally so that you get hired by the two sides again. Hmm. Uh, so if I was an agent, I might say, you know what? It's a crapshoot. There's a bit of a lottery aspect to this. And if I, if the worst case scenario is that I make myself look better to my player, um, and, and make it look like I'm fighting hard for him. And the best case scenario is we push, we push this arbitration number. Um, so, so then I could see why there might be more cases this year and there might be more, uh, more agencies willing to go for it. Um, so that the, that would be an interesting thing because that would push salaries higher, uh, eventually. I mean, if, 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 if there's one side of the table that wants to go to uh, court more often, and yet court rules about 50-50 all the time, but the players are the ones forcing this hand, then I think that'll mean that salaries go up faster than baseball intends or, or thinks it will. Yeah, well, the, yeah, I guess uh, relying on uh, randomness at that point is, uh, is an advantage. I mean, it seems as though <laughs> at that at that point, like, if if it's true that Major League Baseball is expecting – that uh, arbitrators would would rule about evenly uh, for for players and then also organizations. That uh, 
that that's a the assumption there, which is a kind of large assumption, is that uh, these things are being brought before uh, arbitrators, um, you know, reasonably, which is not necessarily the case. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think there is something uh, something there, and and so I would like to look at. Um, I'd like to look at uh, how you know how often these cases go to you know to trial based on you know agency effects. I think that would be interesting. I'd like to to look at how often how how often they do get decided in each way. You know, uh, look at the cases and 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 see how often the team wins and stuff. So if it is fifty fifty, then that's that actually I think would be weird. Yeah, I think it'd be weird if it was fifty fifty. Hmm. Well, listen, you know, Saris. I think you've done good work, you know. <laughs> well, hopefully there'll be something else in there too. I, it was uh, it was a lot of talking to a lot of different people for for uh, you know a hits monster. <laughs> and then uh, and then you had to end it by talking to me, and that's uh, I mean that's a lot of work in itself, I assume. <laughs> yeah. 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 So sorry about that. To talk to you. All right. Well, uh, hey, well, thanks for sh- uh, sharing your findings on, on the, the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. Hey, listen, that's Eno Saris all the way from California. Or alternatively, I'm Carson Sestouli all the way from France. But either way, thank you. Thank you, Eno Saris. Thank you. All right, it's Eno Saris. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been, I'm prepared to say it, this has been a riveting edition. Riveting of Fangraphs Audio. <laughs>